0: I do have a assignment that God put on my life, and because I'm your pastor, uh, you'll participate in the things I'm feeding on. (laughs) I'm gonna what I what I feed on. You're going to benefit from the things that I'm giving my attention to. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to me. it would have been uh, last year, maybe, earlier part of last year. He told me to be a joy professional. January 9, 2019. Be a joy professional. And I've endeavored to study about joy and have taught to you some about joy. So I'm not trying to teach you a subject. That's not my option. I'm not trying to get you to laugh tonight. I'm not trying to... But I am trying to show you the importance of joy in our life, and I'm trying to get you to be a joy professional (laughs) because it is necessary for our lives, for our strength as believers to have a and a consistent flow of joy. We, We also, of course, faith... And peace; Uh, those are three of my main focuses: faith, joy, and peace. Uh, Righteousness, of course, is is a flow uh, that is something we've got to continually give ourselves to becoming proficient in. Um, But you know what I found out with joy is that if you kind of if you let your joy motor just kind of idle, it kind of slows down. You got to keep it. You got to you got to keep it purposefully. Uh, ramped up. You've got to wait, wait, wait. Have I been joying like I need to be joying? Because the flesh the, and, and the natural tendency of our flesh is to tone it down. The natural tendency of the flesh is to, uh, is to give the attention to the negative or, or to focus on, on the difficulty. Uh, the tendency of the spirit, the necessary action of the spirit is to rejoice and so we've got to uh, make it a discipline it's got to become more than just something that happens when things go well for us when when we're excited about something it's easy to rejoice when you're excited but it's more profitable to rejoice when you're not because that's how you'll get excited and that's how you'll get the strength spiritually that you're going to need in that situation. And so uh, Brother Hagin, I've shared with you that he would make the statement often that he did more rejoicing, more, more active rejoicing and thanksgiving when it was a difficult situation mm-hmm. because he knew that's what it took. He knew that's what I need to do in this moment. It's not to, to cry. It's not to worry. It's not to, to try to figure out what to do. But my first thing to do is to stir up my strength by the rejoicing. Yes. So I, I want to talk to you tonight from a little bit different angle. And we're going to talk to you, just kind of come at it from the direction of uh, Jesus' joy. Yes. And, and, and when we begin to recognize... Joy as a spiritual flow, it's not an emotion, it's not a reaction, it's not a natural human flow, it's a flow of our spirit, but it originates in God. God is a joyful God. I mean, I think that we need to just uh, repaint the picture we have in our mind because a lot of times people look at God as being very serious, very serious. But He's so strong, strong, yeah, and joy. God is a joyful God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. All of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5 are attributes of God's character. Love, God is love. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, faith, all of those are attributes of the character of God. God is a joyful God. And Jesus, you know, children enjoyed being around him. They had to hold the children back because the children would flock to Jesus and the disciples would be like, don't bother the master. He's like, let the children come to me. Well, children don't like to be around sour pusses. They don't like to be around sad sacks. They don't like to be around grumpy people. I mean, grumpy people, are the children will, will... Shun away from them. So Jesus is a joyful Jesus. I want to look at a few pictures. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah 3 and verse 14. Hallelujah. Go over here in the Minor Prophets and search for Zephaniah. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, God, O Israel. Is that what I want? That's not what I want. I'm going to try Zachariah. That's not it either. Hallelujah. <coughs> well, Alleluia. we'll go to the next one. Psalm 32, 7. Psalm 32:7. It's a scripture. If Can you search for me, um, Brother Richard? Search for me. Uh, he, the, it sings songs of deliverance. Search the word songs of deliverance. That's the scripture I'm looking for. And I must have written down the wrong one. Psalm 32:7. while he's looking for that one, I'll read from the Amplified. It says, you are a hiding place for me. You, Lord, preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs. And shouts of deliverance. Mm-hmm. You surround me with songs and shouts of deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shouts of deliverance. So the Lord sings over us. Hallelujah. He sings over us. He preserves us from trouble, but He's, he's singing. I, do, are you excited for the opportunity that we will have to hear the Father sing? When we get to heaven, we're going to hear the Father sing, but He has been singing over us. He has been singing over us songs of deliverance. Hallelujah. Uh, Job chapter 5 and verse 22 says that God laughs at destruction or famine. He laughs. Why? Because it's funny to Him. (laughs) When destruction comes... He doesn't respond with anger or with with fury or with worry. He laughs. Hallelujah. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9, speaking of Jesus, says Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. Jesus is anointed with the oil of gladness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we know that His name is Jesus. The title, Christ, represents the anointed one and His anointing. So now we have identified an ingredient in the anointing. In the anointing, there's gladness. The anointing, it refers to the anointing in the book of Isaiah and it says the anointing will... will Uh, remove, will destroy uh, the yoke. So a yoke of heaviness, a yoke of depression, the oil of gladness, the ingredient of gladness in that anointing, it's the anointing that breaks that depression Mm -hmm. and its gladness is in the anointing. It is the oil of gladness. Praise God. It also says of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12, in the midst of the worshiping congregation, I will sing hymns of praise to you. Amen. Jesus worships the Father. He sings hymns. Hallelujah. Uh, we also see that him hy- singing in Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. Amplified. In that same hour he rejoiced and gloried in the Holy Spirit. Think about that. He rejoiced and gloried in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Amplified says there in Luke 10. In that same hour, he rejoiced and gloried in the Holy Spirit and said, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have concealed these things relating to salvation from the wise and understanding and learned and revealed them to the babes. Uh, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will and choice and good pleasure so he's praying to the father but jesus is rejoicing he is rejoicing and uh glorying in the spirit that's the example that we have rejoicing and glorying in the spirit amen praise god praise god uh, the Zephaniah one that I want should be 3:17. I had 14 written down, but I found what I wanted here in 17. Uh, Zephaniah 3:17 says, "The Lord that in the midst of thee is mighty, He will save, He will rejoice over thee with joy. God will rejoice over you with joy. So now we see scriptures where God Rejoices, we also know from Jeremiah 32, 41, he says, I will rejoice over you to do you good. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> he will rejoice over me to do me good. So God rejoices. Well, he's not rejoicing. Uh, in, it, he is joying, you could say. he, is, he He's expressing joy. Yeah. He said, I will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in his love he will joy over you with singing again a scripture of the father is expressing joy with song He will rejoice over you with singing so we rejoice over him he rejoices over us Amen. hallelujah God and Jesus are joyful they are our exhibiting the attributes of joy. Amen. Glory to God. So as we rejoice, we are also exhibiting the attribute of our Father. God. I want to look now at Jesus' instruction to us in John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 11 In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is giving specific instructions of things that are going to be different as He goes to the cross and then following that goes to His place uh, at the right hand of the Father. He knows these changes are coming to pass and He wants to prepare the people, His disciples, for these changes. And He deals with them specifically about their relationship with the Holy Spirit. He said, He has been with you, but He shall be in you. He will lead you into all truth. He will show you things to come. And, and this relationship you will have with Him is important. It's important for me to go away and beneficial for you, for me to go away, because then the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in you and lead you in this manner and be your comforter. In the same way I've been your comforter, He will be your comforter. He also identifies that they will now be praying in His name. He is delegating authority in prayer to them, delegating authority to represent Him not just in prayer to the Father but in dealing with things on the earth. He is now explaining before now, you have not asked anything in my name, but from this point on, you will ask the Father in my name, and whatever you ask the Father, He will give it to you. Amen. Amen. Amen? And this is the other thing that He identifies. This is one of the other things that Jesus identifies. He also identifies that now you're going to love the way I've loved you. You have a different example. You, you, I know you know that you should love your neighbor as yourself, but now I'm telling you, to raise the bar and love your neighbor the way I've loved you, your brother and sister in Christ. And he also points this out. Uh, And let's look at verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Hmm. So he has given us instruction. He's given us input. He's given us knowledge, spiritual knowledge and understanding so that his joy would remain in us. Amen. So now we have his joy, and he wants it to be a constant abiding of his joy. He wants us to have his joy operative in our spirit 24 hours a day. Amen. Consistent, supply. and then he says, and conjunction, yes. and uh-huh. that your joy might be full. I've spoken these things so that your joy would be full. This is the desire of the Master. This is the desire of our Savior, that our joy would be always full tank, topped off, full joy. I want your joy full. Now he again addresses it in chapter 16, verses 22 and he connects asking in the name with our joy. In 22, he said, And now therefore you have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man takes from you. Well, before, he's telling them right now you have sorrow. You know, they, were about, they did experience that sorrow as they watched him be crucified. He, he says right now you have sorrow, but after this sacrifice has been made, after the price has been paid, after salvation has been made available, you're going to have the force of joy, the fruit of joy abiding in you. They, did, they weren't born again when he is explaining this, but he's talking to them to let them know you're going to have the results of my salvation. And when you have the results of my salvation, the joy of the Lord is going to move in you in a way it couldn't live in you before. The joy of the Lord is going to be resident in you in a way that it couldn't be before the blood was shed, before the price was paid, before salvation was available. But when you become in Christed, when you become a new creature in Christ, when those old things are passed away and all things are made new, when you become alive unto God, when you become a speaking spirit with the life of God... Uh, 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 bubbling up like a fountain of living water, then you're going to have a different access to joy than you've ever had before. And it's going to be a joy that no man can take from you. A joy that nobody else has the ability to adjust it, to turn it off, to move it out of your way. This joy that I have, The world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Amen? Why? Because it's in my spirit. It is a force of the the fruit of the Spirit of God. It is a supply of God that is not affected by what's going on outside, it's not affected by what's happening in my life at that moment. It's not what causes me to joy and therefore it can't diminish my joy in any way. That's good gospel news. That's good gospel news because now I have access to strength. When I recognize according to the scripture, Nehemiah chapter 8 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isaiah chapter 12 says, With joy you can draw water out of the well, the supply of salvation. So when I know that joy is a spiritual strength to me and I know joy is a container by which I can access rescue into my life healing rescue financial rescue marital rescue rescue in my children I can access salvation with the force of joy and joy can't be affected by what's going on around me because it's a supply that's not touched by the outside circumstance I can be strong no matter what comes against me I can find I can strengthen myself without any access to the situation changing hallelujah and I can access joy well he says no man will take it from you your heart your spirit joys And your joy no man takes from you. This is where we train ourselves. This is where we train ourselves. We don't joy because we feel like it. We joy based on who God is. We joy based on what He's done. We joy based on, we'll find all different kinds of scriptures. If you start looking, you'll joy when you remember His holiness. You'll joy, I mean, there are a lot of different things. It doesn't just say rejoice because of what He's done. That's one of the ways. That's That's just one. But there are a lot of others to rejoice at the remembrance of His holiness. Rejoice at His name. Rejoice at His word. All of the different attributes of God are reasons to rejoice. Amen. Faithful, rejoice yes. over that. <laughs> yes, He is. So this joy then is not just when I am excited or pleased. Just a way—it's it, appropriate. Pleased or not pleased? Going through good times or or do you want to keep going through the bad times? Rejoice and you'll accelerate out of them. (laughs) So we rejoice because God is faithful. We rejoice because of who He is. And then He says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Before now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive. And then he goes back to talking about joy again. And he says that your joy may be full. The Weiss translation says so that your joy might be completely full and persist in that state of fullness in present time. So... According to scripture, he wants joy to be full constantly. So I need to live on full. You know, there were a couple of times, not very many times, but just once or twice in my life that I've run out of gas. And the reason I haven't run out of gas in a long time is because I don't let it get down. I don't like for it to get down to half a tank. I'd much rather fill it up at a quarter, at, at three quarters. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive as close to full as I possibly can because I don't want to be in a situation where I get caught on empty. That's it. That's it. And I've got to treat my joy the same way. Right. I don't live on half tank joy. I don't live on quarter tank joy, and I sure don't let the light come on indicating that I'm about out. You've got three hours till empty. Three hours till empty. No, 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 no. You know, it's much cheaper to fill it up if it's at three quarters. it. (laughs) It doesn't take as much debit out of my account if I just go ahead and fill it up you know, at three quarters or almost down there at a half. But if you dry out the tank, I mean, you can see it on the debit. Have mercy. And the same is true with our joy. If we let our joy get down so low that it takes us so much time of rejoicing. And listen, if you are not training yourself in the rejoicing then you'll have to wait till you get a good, one of those good worship songs going before you'll get over into it. We've got to train ourselves to rejoice without the music, Praise rejoice God. without yes. other people, or we can rejoice in whatever situation, yes. whatever circumstance, yes. because it's yes. something that I do. It's a spiritual activity yes. yeah. that I engage Praise in, yeah. and in doing so, I'm, I'm topping off my tank. I'm rejoicing and and refilling the joy supply. So... The Living Bible says uh, that your cup of joy will overflow. So He wants it not only up in the tank, but He wants it out because it's so full. Amen? So this is important enough that the Lord brought it up twice in one conversation. It's in the Bible, it's in the Bible right here in this conversation, but how many other places does it indicate full joy? It says in the presence of God, in his presence there's fullness of joy. Amen. So so this is what God desires in his presence that we come out of his presence with fullness of joy. That's one of the greatest reasons to spend time with the Lord every morning. So that you come out, joy topped off, yes. Yes. and you've got you can go through your day with that fullness of joy and get back in his presence again throughout the day and the morning and and just live in that con- continual fullness of joy. Uh, I want to look at some uh, scriptures that help us to see that joy is not just a response to uh, when things are going well, but it's even more important uh, to use joy or activate and employ joy when things are not going well because that's how we can turn things around. Habakkuk 3.17 is one of our favorite places to look. Let's go back there and look at it again. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom... Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Well, I mean, that's trouble on every hand. I mean, that's that's financial trouble. That's trouble in the refrigerator. I mean, that's trouble in the... That's every aspect. It has affected every aspect of this person's life. But this person says, even though all of these things would happen, I will rejoice in the Lord. Yeah, now will is a choice. It I will. I will. I will rejoice in the Lord. Well, this is definitely not the time to be drained by sadness. Yeah. Amen. You know, sadness has a spiritual drain effect on your your power supply. If you want to get low power as a believer, just allow your flesh to have a pity party. And it will drain your spiritual supply. Yes, have mercy. So don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, 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 don't pity. Don't, don't feel sorry for yourself. That is a trick of the enemy. If the enemy comes to you and says, pity yourself, that's what he said to Jesus. And you know what Jesus responded? Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He he was vehement against that. He was strong against that. Oh, no, you don't. You get behind me because feeling sorry has no place. Feeling sorry for myself has no place in what I'm doing. And so when the drain of depression, or the drain of worry, or the dr- feeling sorry for yourself, that it would have such a negative effect on your spiritual supply, And you wouldn't even an supply. It's not something that you necessarily are aware of when it's happening. You just think yoga pants. Eat the whole gallon of ice cream. Oh. <laughs> Shut all the lines and and Sis give it an inch you know what it's going to take yeah, it, takes a mile. it will go to the excess so we don't we buffet our bodies we buffet yeah. not buffet yeah. I said i treat it roughly <laughs> i treat it roughly why He said, so that I don't end up shipwrecked. I'm out here trying to be a minister of the gospel. That's what the apostle Paul said. He said, I buffet my body. I treat it roughly. Well, he wasn't talking about self-punishment he wasn't walking around with a whip whipping his back you know with bloody stripes down his back or something he was saying I don't give my flesh what it wants I don't give it a pity party I don't give it a bad hair day I don't give it a Netflix binge I don't give it a yoga pants and a gallon of ice cream moment I don't give my flesh why because if I give it any leeway, it wants to run to the excess and it will will drain the spiritual supply that I've been working on, that I've been desiring to maintain. Hallelujah. So that means I've got to be disciplined in the rejoicing. The way to deal with that feeling of depression and depression I don't play with that. When, when a person has ever dealt with any of that negative, and, and there can be some changes that our physical body goes through or even uh, medications that a person might be taking that could cause the, 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 those things, but it's real. It's, it's a, that feeling is real. The, 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 it, the energy that the evil one would like to add to it is real as well. It's not always the devil. Some of it can be natural, but he's always there waiting to add to it. Yeah. You know, the, um, a drug addiction, there's a natural side of it, but there's a demonic side of it too. It's not just the alcohol effect on the body. The devil's in it. The devil's behind it. He's energizing the addiction. Yeah. And the same would be true about anything he attacks a person with. There can be a natural side of it, but there he's adding to it. Yeah. Well, the way to resist it is with the spiritual force of joy. Yeah. The rejoicing will will lift that. You know, we looked at a scripture that Jesus quoted from the book of Psalm chapter 8 that talked about that God has ordained or prepared the rejoicing in the mouth of a babe, a young believer who's not even equipped to quote the word, but he has equipped them with a strength. And we looked at the definition. It says that will wear the enemy out. Rejoicing will wear the enemy out. Jesus referred to it as praise. The Psalms referred to it as a loud strength. It's the rejoicing and the rejoicing is an, is an, it creates an atmosphere that the enemy's not comfortable in. You know when we sing it says God inhabits the praises of His people and the word inhabits means to sit upon a throne. So God enthrones himself on our praises. And while he's enthroning himself, the enemy is saying, I don't like this. Please stop that. Stop that. Stop. Oh, I hate it when you do that. I can't listen to that anymore. It wears him out. You want to drain him? You want to drain him? See, he would like to drain our spiritual supply. We can drain his. If we keep our atmosphere, that's why I look at Eve. And I, I recognized there was nothing resisting him. Eve did not do anything to make him uncomfortable. So I want my house to be a house of joy. You know, it says scripture that I use for this church, Out of faith builders shall proceed thanksgiving and the voices of them that make merry. That's one of the verses I speak about us. But it's also a good verse for you to speak over your house. In this house is the sound of rejoicing out of this house proceeds thanksgivings and the voices of them that make merry just determine that your house your atmosphere is going to be an atmosphere of joy to do that you're going to have to go into the house rejoicing you're going to have to keep the rejoicing throughout the day and you're going to have to let anything that would try to diminish it that means complaining that means talking about the problem if, if, if you're hearing too much about the problem, you need to start talking the answer out loud in your house. Man, man. I mean, you, you, you may have to turn the news volume down. If you want to just get the highlights, turn it off and rejoice yeah. to receive. Atmosphere. We need the joy in our houses. We need the atmosphere in our houses because that's where God is sitting on the throne of that praise. He's enthroning. It's giving him governing power. It's giving him the power to, to exercise his control over that atmosphere. When uh, Ahab, King Ahab, got so upset about Naboth's vineyard. Do you remember that story? Naboth, he went to Naboth and he said, you should sell me your vineyard. I'll pay for it. I want you to sell me. And he said, I can't. The Lord forbids me because it's part of the inheritance that's supposed to go to my lineage, to my descendants. I can't. It's against God's instruction to me. Nah- Ahab got so upset that he went into his house and, and, and crawled up in the bed in the middle of the day. Wow turned his face to the wall, darkened the room, and he's in there pouting because Naboth wouldn't sell me his vineyard. Can you imagine the atmosphere in that room? God wasn't in that atmosphere. Do you know what happened in that atmosphere? A murder was planned in that atmosphere. Demonic plans were made in that atmosphere of depression and feeling sorry for himself. Hallelujah yeah. it's such a darkness, such a thing not even being able to see right that's why we've got to guard our 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 i'm not just talking about the atmosphere around you I'm talking about the the inner flow of joy and and maintaining that perception yes. that I am a child of God and I'm bought with a price and no weapon formed against me shall I be able to prosper. I've got every reason to rejoice and I don't have a reason That's to right. be worried. I don't have a reason. And they could bring up all kinds of reasons. Like this man here, he's got all kinds of reasons in the natural, but they don't compare to his God. That's right. exactly. Even if the fig. Tree is failing and the olive tree is failing and the fields don't yield meat and the flocks will be cut off from the fold and there'll be no hurt in the stalls. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to feel sorry for the situation that I'm in. I'm not going to look at my trouble and say, Gloom, despair and agony on me. Deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. Oh... If it weren't for, no, that is not going to be my song. Amen. Amen. That is not going to be my Amen. song. Amen. God. Oh, God. just throw the. Amen. I will rejoice yes. in the Lord. Oh, yeah. I. In the God. Of my salvation, Hallelujah. I will joy. Say that out loud. I will, I will joy. Lord. You know, thing anything contrary would try to rise up, you know. That's right. I will joy. I will joy. I will strengthen myself in the Lord. You know, everything in David's circumstance, when he walked back into Ziklag and it was burned to the ground, yes. And his children were gone, and his wife was gone, and everybody, their whole, everybody who was with him, the whole army of soldiers who was with him, they were so distraught and so hurt and grieved that they turned and said, We're going to kill you. So not only has he lost everything and seeing all of the destruction around him, but now he's the one they're blaming for something the Amalekites did, which really was Saul's fault because Saul should have dealt with those Amalekites the way God told him. He's dealing with something that's not even his doing. Everybody's mad at me. Listen, I've just lost what you lost too. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. Aren't you glad he didn't respond the way all those other men were responding? He had the same opportunity to enter into the, the pain of what they saw and the loss. He refused to let what was happening to him be lost. He refused to let this be the final result. And because he rejoiced, he could hear something. That they couldn't hear. Because he encouraged himself in the Lord. He was open for instruction. Why? Because they couldn't hear. They couldn't even think straight. They're turning on the one who was anointed to be their leader. They were not thinking straight. Because in that darkness you don't see right. We never have to enter into that darkness. There's not ever an opportunity where you have to yield to it. Where An opportunity where you say, I just couldn't rejoice. No matter what, you can. No matter what happens, you can rejoice. And that's how you're going to make it through, and that's how you're going to see God turn it. The turnaround came for him because he encouraged himself in the Lord, and in doing so, his antenna went up to get some instruction of how to deal with this and get back. And God said, you will recover all. You will recover. Also, recovery, restoration is in the joy. God. Restoration is in the rejoicing. Yes, it is. Hallelujah! I will rejoice in the Lord. Thanks. feet. This is referring to a ram on the side of a mountain. And if you've never watched any kind of a Uh, Natural Geographic or National Geographic or whatever to see how those rams and those, those, they've got mountain goats that can climb up the side of a mountain and you want to just jump up under them and save them. You know, like they're going to fall. They're not. They know how to walk up that steep incline and jump. Have you ever seen them jump? I know. I'm like, stop. Die. No, they jump. From one cliff to the other, without slipping. The Scripture says, God will do that for us. Our feet so sure-footed. This is no hill for a climber. There's no hill for a climber. Hallelujah, I can handle that. We moved into a neighborhood and there's this big hill down the house. And, and the first time we came, to, I knew when I said it, that pastor would take the bait. I said, yeah, you're going to climb this. You're going to run this hill, aren't you? Because, you know, in, in Kansas, there were um, we were near uh, Shawnee Mission Park, and there's a lot of different hills. And so because he can run the hills when he goes into a marathon and they usually have a hill or two, he's like, I can, I can just move right past those people because I'm used to running hills. Well, this hill at the house is like this, and I'm like this, like this. He runs that hill. I knew if I challenged him, he'd do it. He'd take the bait. He's like, I ran the hill today. I, I ran the hill today. And we'll see people, you know, trying to get that hill, and he's like, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. He knows it can be done. It's no hill for a climber. To him, it's nothing because it, he's doing it. He t- he faced that challenge. He did it, and now he can go up that hill, yeah. running up the hill. Yeah. He can run up the hill why? Because he's doing it. That's the 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 promise of God that he'll 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 make it so that it's easy for us. God. He'll make it so that it's easy for us. He'll make our feet like hinds' feet. He will make me to walk upon high Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to also look at one other place before we, before we uh, move this direction. Let's look over at the book of James. Chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren it all joy count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations Uh, at one of the minister's conferences we attended uh, down at brother copeland's ministry rick renner talked about this chapter so eloquently and he brought out some things that i didn't know until that time and he was explaining that because of uh, James's role in the local church in that time. You know, he was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, after Jesus uh, ascended to the Father uh, and and there was a lot of persecution taking place in Jerusalem and people were being scattered, uh, by the letter and by James' response in this letter, we can see that they were contacting him and telling him, you know, why is this happening? Why is God letting this happen to us? He, he corrects them when He says in verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. And, and in that, um, for God tempts no man. Uh, God cannot be tempted with evil, evil, neither tempteth he any man. He is dealing with them very strongly because they are allowing the idea that God is letting this happen to us, that God is letting this persecution, that God is permitting it. And so he's dealing with them about how to respond correctly and how not to uh, equate God in as the author of their trouble. And uh, I think it's interesting because uh, it is an idea that a lot of people have in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. that God is allowing it. Well, I know God, they might even say, now some people go f- so far as to say, you know, God sent this to me. God, God brought this on me. God, God let this happen to me so that I could whatever. You know, Brother uh, Caps had a woman who he was dealing with, and he said uh, to her, she said, well, God, uh, let me have that car accident and get in this wheelchair so that I could write this book for him. And he said, I didn't want to know what the name of the book was. <laughs> I, I, just, uh, I don't even want to know what the name of the book is. But he encouraged her and said, no, God didn't allow that. God didn't cause it. God didn't do it so that you could do this. You could have written that book without. That and so he encouraged her, and then she went into the next service where Dr. Jerry Savell was ministering and got up and he got healed. Amen. Amen. Uh, but that idea is prevalent in a lot of people, and it's really probably more from reasoning than from teaching. Although there is a lot of bad teaching that says God will put you through that to make you anointed. Lord. God will bring you, He'll press you like a like a grape to get the oil out of you, to get the anointing out of you. No. No. I'm anointed in Christ. That's how the anointing comes through me. (laughs) It's, It's the anointing. He doesn't use difficulties to teach me. He uses His Word to teach me. It says the Scripture is profitable for instruction. But a lot of people have the idea, and I wanted to take this little side trip because if they think that, they're not resisting it. If they think God allowed it, how can you resist it? If you think God permitted it and God okayed it and He signed off on it, where's your stand? How can you get out of it if God allowed it? If God opened the door, how can I shut it? If God permitted it, how can I resist it? So that idea has to be dealt with. I have to recognize the the dividing line. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have life abundantly, more abundantly. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now Job didn't know that because in the Old Testament you don't see God explaining the presence of the devil to anybody because they couldn't do anything about the devil. We are in Christ. We are in the New Testament. We are in a whole different category. And so he has clearly told us Satan's already been defeated. But Job didn't know it was the devil who was stealing and killing and destroying in his life. He didn't know that. And he said a lot of things and God corrected him for what he said. God came to him and said, Do you know anything about how I counted out the the the, the measure of the span of the waters with my hand? Do you know how I did this? Can you explain how I did this? And Job said, there's a lot I don't know. I've been talking about a lot of things I don't know. Lord, I've said a lot of things I shouldn't have said. I've been talking out of both sides of my mouth and Lord, have mercy on me, forgive me. And he repented for the things that he had said. And when he repented and prayed for his friends, God turned what the enemy had done. God turned it. God didn't cause it. God didn't allow it. When... when the conversation between Satan and God was taking place. Some people read it like this. Have you noticed, Joe? He's so upright. Oh, yeah. He's upright before me. He's a great righteous man. I'll open the door and let you attack him, but you can't have his life. That's how some people hear that. Knowing God the way I know Him and His character, because we want to read the Bible in context of the Bible. The conversation was, what are you doing looking at Job? What are you doing looking at Job? He's upright before me. And when God said, what he has is in your hand. It did not say, I give it to you. No. I permit it. I'm putting it in your hand. He's identifying it's already in your hand. How did what Job had get in a place where Satan could touch it? He said, I feared fear, and the thing I feared came on me. Well, fear did that, not God. God didn't open the door. Fear opened the door. Fear opened the door. door. Compare that with Isaiah 55. Let me see if I'm right. Isaiah 55 that says, uh, You will be far from oppression for you shall not fear. I'll give you the exact scripture so that I, I didn't quote the wrong number. You will be far from oppression for you shall not fear. 54 and verse 14 In righteousness shall you be established. You shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. So if I shall not fear, it will not come near me. If I don't fear, it will not come near me. It can't get near me. Remember, there was a hedge. What broke down the hedge wasn't God. God didn't take the hedge down. God didn't drop the force field. He did not. The same protection that God had over the children of Israel in the land of Goshen that kept them from the darkness that was so thick that the man couldn't see to get up and walk around the room. It kept them from the frogs. It kept them from the lice. It kept them from every attack that came upon the Egyptians. They were kept, they were guarded. That same protection was in Job's life until he feared a fear and dropped the hedge. So what James is telling the people is God is not the one behind the temptation. My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy. This is not a time... To say God's allowing it, this is a time to trust in Him with your rejoicing. This is a time to rejoice in the Lord. This is a time to stir yourself up with joy. The New Living says this is an opportunity for great joy. The Berkeley translation says it's time for maximum joy. (laughs) This is not the time for level 2 joy, level 4 joy, level 5 joy. This is the time to crank it up. And not, I'm not talking about volume. I'm talking about level joy, a time for maximum joy. Is that, you, you see my smile? Oh, yes, I've got joy. Oh, yes, I've got joy. And the devil's like, what do you mean you got joy? I just attacked you with everything I've got. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> down in my heart. <laughs> I've got joy down in my heart. Lily says she's got the joy down in her park yeah we got we got a little place set in our new house and she sings i got the joy 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 down in my park <laughs> hallelujah that joy is a resistance it's time for maximum joy time for maximum joy if a person thinks god is allowing it how are they going to resist it How are they going to stand against it? it. But when I know He's for me, He's not against me. He did not withhold His only Son. How much more shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He'll help me. He'll see me through this. He'll show me how to deal with this. Amen? Amen? And that rejoicing positions us with that Container that we see from Isaiah 12, with joy shall I draw water out of the wells of my salvation. The wells of salvation meaning rescue, health, restoration, healing, financial supply. The way to get it and to manifestation in your life is not crying out in sorrow or depression or desperation, but it's the rejoicing. Amen. Amen. We're going we're to develop our joy capacity. We're going to discipline ourselves in joy. And, and I, I encourage you, and this is, again, I'm not trying to get a subject across to you. I'm trying to get a truth that will change your, your spiritual strength level. Yes. That if you'll take this home and you'll put it to practice and you will consistently remind yourself, go back and listen to this. Message. Go back and listen to the messages we did on uh, knowing the joyful sound and let the righteous rejoice and, and the other ones that God has been dealing with us because when, when, when the situation with the uh, COVID came in, I, I right then I'm like, praise God, I've been joying. I've been joying. My, my immune system is stronger today because of the joy that I've been doing in the last six months. Amen? In the last eight months. My, I, it, I'm not only physically stronger, but my spiritual immune system. There, God prepared us with this joy to be able to deal with some things and walk through some things victorious. Because you can, if you're the, the strong spirit of a man, sustains him in times of bodily trouble or pressure. It's not just a physical, but any kind of difficulty. If your spirit is strong, you'll go through it a lot easier and come out quicker if you're strong. But if a person, not you, because you're going to be spiritually strong, if a person is spiritually weak, it it, it becomes more difficult because then they're having to try to maintain their spiritual strength and deal with that situation. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Did you get something out of that? I believe you did. I believe you did. Praise Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for your uh, wisdom that was imparted. We receive your impartations. This was an impartation from your spirit to our spirit tonight, Father, and we receive it. And we thank you for keeping us on your... Um, your timetable you. in step with you, synchronized with your plan. Father, thank you for your supply spiritually, you. your supply of the Word, your supply of joy, your peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Father, thank you. for every uh, provision of your covenant that is ours in Christ. We rejoice in Jesus.